If you have your bulletins or a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, we'll continue our study in the epistle of First John. We've got about three, three more weeks in, including this week, three more weeks in John's letter to his friends, and then in, in the fall, beginning the first week in September. Uh, we'll begin a study on the book of Ephesians. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, we'll uh, start that uh, the 1st of September. Until then, we're going to uh, continue to plot our way uh, through First uh, John. And I'll say to you this morning, um, if you were here uh, last week, this will uh, be a bit of, bit of a piggyback sermon. Uh, last week, we uh, looked at what John describes Uh, the way John describes love. Uh, We looked at uh, its nature and uh, we looked uh, at its orientation, uh, its uh, source, its otherness. Uh, We're going to look at uh, another component of love, love part two uh, this morning. Uh, So if you would please, if you're able, please stand as we read uh, God's Word together. 1 John chapter 4 beginning in verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. We'll read through verse 21. This is uh, the Word of our Lord. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in us so that we may, excuse me, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has whom he has seen cannot love God, whom whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, 
must also love his brother. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask uh, this morning that in your kindness and in your goodness and in your sufficiency, uh, in uh, the embrace of your grace and mercy, uh, that you would teach our hearts, um, Father, that you would teach our minds, that you would teach even our emotions what it means to fall deeper and deeper in love uh, with You, King Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we confess to You this morning that there are plenty of things that keep our eyes shaded and our ears uh, blocked and our minds wandering. Uh, Lord, we ask uh, that You would free us from those things and enable us to hear and to receive uh, Your Word with humility Uh, in spirit and in truth. Father, we ask above anything else that You would write and inscribe, even carve uh, Your Word into our hearts uh, that we might not sin against You. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's start with a question this morning. Have one of I'll confess to you one of my favorite uh, things to do. Kelly and the kids um, uh, could tell you it's oftentimes uh, they consider it a, a little bit off, a little bit strange. It's not the only thing they consider a little bit off and strange about me. I love to watch it rain. I love to watch uh, water flow. Uh, there's something beautiful, and I'm not necessarily talking about like rivers and streams, although those would certainly uh, apply, but I'd, I'd love to sit out on my front porch and watch it rain and watch how uh, the water flows through on the concrete, through, flows through the flower beds, uh, flows through uh, all sorts of uh, things. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful experience um, we've had plenty of opportunity to watch water flow here of late, have we not, with the rain that God has um, providentially uh, given us. I want you to imagine with me um, if we were to take a, a five-gallon bucket of water and we were to, uh, and you can imagine your own driveway or uh, your own surface, whatever that might be, we were to take that five-gallon bucket of water and we were, were to pour it out. If we poured it out on my driveway, I can tell you what would happen. That water would begin to flow along the contours of gravity. Uh, It would trace its way through the cracks in my driveway. It would pick up loose impediments, pine needles, and things like that. And it would find its way to the lowest point. And when it finds its way to the lowest point, it usually, which is usually right where my driveway slopes down and then back up into my garage, it begins to pool there, does it not? So water flows, and then it begins to pool. And once it begins to pool, uh, usually, uh, it, t- it takes some time, but usually it begins to saturate uh, the things ar- around uh, it. Now, that's wonderful it's, uh, if it's outside. If it's inside your house, that's quite the problem, isn't it? The beauty of water flowing 
Um, the beauty of watching water pool, the beauty of watching water saturate and change landscape around it, I think is very similar to what John is telling us about God's love here in 1 John uh, this morning. And I want us to look at it. Last week we looked at love's object uh, being God uh, first and foremost, and then that spilling o- over onto others. And we looked at love's nature being uh, that of sacrifice. Sacrificial uh, love is the way uh, God describes love in His Word. This week I want us to look at love's flow or its direction, uh, if you will, and also love's purpose. Um, it loves purpose that it actually, it, when it pools up, when God's love pools up in us, it actually does something really, uh, really beautiful, and we'll consider that. First, uh, love's direction. We won't spend a ton of time here because of we've looked at this beauty over the last uh, couple weeks through several angles um, already. You can tell a lot about a body of water, uh, whether it be a river or whether it be a stream, by its source, uh, where it starts, where it uh, begins, if you will, the source, the place uh, where it receives its power and its resource. And John tells us in verses 7 and 8, if you'll look with me, uh, that the source of, uh, shows us what the source of God's love is. Love is from God, and God is love. Listen to what, uh, the way David Jackman, a, a wonderful Bible scholar, uh, describes it. John is not identifying a quality which God possesses. He is making a statement about the essence of God's being. Love flows between the three persons, Trinity, in a constant interaction so that every activity expresses the love which is the divine nature. That's not just a static description, but a living and active dynamism. Therefore, to imagine that God does not love us is to deny His true nature and to repudiate His character. So you see the source. We've talked about that last week. We're here again this week. The, the source of love comes from the Trinity as it relates to itself and as we are created in God's image. Therefore, that love spills over onto us, especially through Uh, Jesus and His cross. But notice where uh, John takes us next in verses 9 and 10. There's a sentness, there's a sharedness uh, to uh, God's love. And he describes that so beautifully and so uniquely. Uh, There are four things that should jump off the page at you here in verses 9 through 10. The first is God does this, shows us this act of love of His own volition. You see that? God sent His Son. Not because we deserved it, not because we're such a beautiful and wonderful creation. God sent of His own volition His unique and one-of-a-kind Son to live in the love that creation was intended to live in and to be sacrificed for creation's brokenness. It's actually the same word used here as is also used in Hebrews chapter 11 of Isaac and Abraham in that sacrificial type of love where Abraham took his son up, took Isaac his son up and laid him on the altar and then God providentially 
provided. So you see God's volition. You see His unique gift. You see that this love does something. It's not just a gift, but it actually acts. Meaning God, when He sends Jesus to this earth to live perfectly, and Jesus accomplishes that, when He goes to the cross, something's happening there. Jesus is setting aside, appeasing, if you will, uh, God's wrath and, and ordering forgiveness and reconciliation. It's accomplished. That's what that big word propitiation uh, means. We've seen it before in John's uh, letter. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing is that we are able to live into Christ. We are able to live into His righteousness. Here's what that means. Convicts are now considered sons and daughters and welcomed to the table where there's a huge feast. Now that doesn't make sense in our modern day, but the reality is that that's what happens through Jesus' blood. That's a gift that's overwhelming. And honestly, you'd be right to say, Chad, we talk about that every single Sunday. <laughs> right? Same story, second verse, over and over and over again. You've almost said the same thing last week, and now you're saying it again, and here's the reality. I hope it never gets old. I hope it's the gift that surprises you and takes your breath away every single week. Have you ever received a gift like that? I remember when Kelly and I were dating, we weren't even married yet. Um, she, it was my birthday, and she, I'm, I'm kind of one of those, and you may be like this as well, I'm kind of one of those guys that's hard to surprise, you know. If I want something, I usually just go buy it. Right, And so when it comes down to uh, like birthdays and Christmas, it's like, what do you want? Well, I, I kind of already got everything I need. I need. You know, I'm, I'm kind of hard to buy for. Um, this one caught me by surprise, though. Kelly shows up, and she gives me this birthday present. I open it up, and it was one of those presents. Hopefully you've received a gift like this before where you just don't know what to say. You're just like, literally speechless. It, you you, you kind of start to muddle words together and they kind of start to fumble out of your mouth and you really don't know what to say because you, you've, never, you've never received something with such kindness and such thoughtfulness and such generosity and such sacrifice. It, it's that gift that you're just kind of stuck Right? And you want to say thank you, and you want to express uh, with gratitude that which uh, this gift brings up in you, but you just don't know what to say. Right? That's meant to be the gospel week in and week out. You understand that, right? Week in and week out when we hear these truths that John's laying before us over and over and over again, it's meant to go, <gasps> I cannot believe that I am receiving such a gift. 
that this love, this incomprehensible love that God decides to manifest on me when I don't love Him back, when I grind my teeth and display my weaponry in His face, and He still sends His kindness and mercy over and over and over again. And yet, it also, for as much as it's incomprehensible, it's also comprehensible because every time you experience kindness and grace and gratitude and love and joy and peace and all those fruit of the Spirit, you're experiencing God's love over and over and over again. I shared with the, the communicants a couple weeks ago at the Mooney's house, um, we came to that. We came to that bow that you make to the church to serve the church and support it in its uh, its support its worship and its work to the best of your ability. And you got a bunch of kids looking at me like, "How am I supposed to support the church in its worship and work to the best of my ability?" And here's what I said to him: When you smile at someone. That's supporting the worship and work of Jesus because you're, you're, you're showing His love, right? When you smile, when, when that warm embrace, when that thoughtful, careful um, remark uh, uh, comes, uh, when, when, you, when you actually, the Holy Spirit overwhelms you and you hit the brake instead of the gas and you let someone go before you in the, in the, in the line, Right? There's the experience of God. When a friend takes time to actually listen, those are the streams of living water from Mount Zion flowing into us and over us with every breath we take. Friends, I I hope that you'll consider with me, um, I, I hope that the Gospel never gets rote that it never gets routine, that it never gets kind of, yeah, we, we got that. Next. Because John is taking chapter after chapter, verse after verse, to say it must leave you speechless every time you encounter it. Every time we encounter it. So that's uh, love's direction from the Trinity to us and on to others so that we're sharing this beautiful gift uh, that God's given us. But love also has a purpose. Um, If we follow our water analogy, which I think is consistent with what John's uh, doing here in this uh, passage, water uh, doesn't just have a source and it doesn't just have a direction, it also has an, an intent and an effect. Uh, water's goal is to continue to flow until it can't anymore, and then its goal is to saturate, to, to sink in. And I think that's John's point here with God's love as well. Look at verse 7 and verse 11 with me. The sum, these two verses summarize that long section of verses 13 through 21 where John is repetitively driving home this truth. The flow of God's love to you was never meant to stop on you. 
The flow of God's love to you was never meant to stop in you. God's love is meant to keep moving to you and through you to others. Look at verse 19 with me. John states it clearly there. Because, God, because God's love has flowed to us, it has to flow to others. I don't know if you've seen this or even if you've been aware with it, commercials may not be your thing, but I've loved recently uh, this uh, string of um, commercials that have had the, the pay it forward uh, theme to it. I don't know if you've seen those. Um, the, the, the idea uh, that one person does something kind to this person and that person, having received that kindness, does another kind act and the, the kindness kind of snowballs and keeps flowing, so to speak. I've, I think it's beautiful because it's a picture of, um, it's a picture of our world trying to use Christian principles uh, to express kindness and love to one another. But here's the reality. Christians never have to wait for someone to express kindness to them to be able to express that to another person because you've infinitely received kindness in the cross of Jesus Christ and therefore it should always flow out of us. You understand that, right? The, the world's picture, the commercials are saying, oh, well, kindness wakes me up to the fact that I need to reciprocate and pay that forward. For the Christian, there is no paying it forward because it's always there eternally. And so we're constantly in this place of receiving God's love and having it take our breath away and then giving God's love to a desperate and watching world. It's not just that love's nature is sacrificial and others-oriented. That's good. That's good in theory, right? We can all agree that that's good in theory. But God's love toward us has to be actively and constantly flowing into us and on to others. Do you see the joys of that in your life? Do you see the joys of that love and that direction and that purpose in your life? The sacrificial otherness? Do you see that in your life? It's not just though that love flows directionally, has a purpose to continue forward, but also that loves God's love flowing into us and on to others, what happens when that begins to pool up and saturate? What happens when that begins uh, to pull up in, and saturate? Look at verse 12 with me. It's kind of a peculiar verse. I don't know if you notice this or not. John's kind of rolling along with this theme. I mean, it's a, it's a snowball rolling down a hill very quickly. And all of a sudden, he throws in there verse 12 and like, hey, nobody's ever seen God. You're like, what? I thought we were talking about love and Jesus and all these sort of things. And like, then all of a sudden, nobody's ever seen God. What in the world's he doing there? What's John saying? It's kind of peculiar, isn't it? He's, he's following this traceable line of thought, and then it's almost as if he's interrupted. 
And here's what John is saying to us. I think he's saying when God's love flows into His people and onto others so much that it begins to pool and saturate, the watching world will be staring at God in the face. That's what John's saying. When the love of Christ begins to well up in His people, and those people begin to communicate and fellowship and love one another together, the next thing you look, the world is looking in at that, and what are they seeing? They're not seeing me and you. They are seeing God's face. They are seeing His love. That's why John says no one's ever seen God. But when we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. One scholar says it this way, the point here in 1 John 4, 7-21 is that true believers are emerging from spiritual captivity into the promised land of the new creation. A reality that Jesus inaugurates in His own body and spiritually in the hearts of believers. A tangible effect, therefore, of inserting the new heavens and earth is a vigorous love for God and for one another. God's saying that when, excuse me, John's saying when God's love begins to well up in His people, when it begins to pool, it has effects. It's perfected. It gives us confidence. It beats back fear because the landscape is changing. The groundswell is occurring. It's becoming saturated with God's love. And we begin to experience heaven here on this earth. That's what John's saying. And we're back to where we started. We experience the love of the Trinity with each other and with a watching world. What would that look like in your life? What would that look like in your places of business? What would that look like as you interact with your families, your children, your in-laws, things of that nature, what would it look like so much so that the love of God begins to swell up in you and swell up in others around you that it begins to affect everything you do? What would that look like here in this church? What would it look like that Faith Presbyterian Church becomes known as the church in our community that loves so deeply with the love of Christ that people long to be near it, long to be in it, long to be associated with it, long to feel its love. What would that, what would that look like for this body of believers for that groundswell to start with us, that we love each other so well that it becomes contagious and that others begin to want to be a part of it. You could even take it a step further. What would this look like if our city, our our beautiful city, For as much as it is the home seeker's paradise, what if it became defined as God's love pool? Right? 
where if you want to experience the grace and mercy of King Jesus, you come to Brookhaven, Mississippi. That's a, I know, that's a big dream. <laughs> I know that's a big dream, and you can only control what's right in front of you, but man, it's a kingdom-type dream, isn't it? And you have to start somewhere, don't you? Let's pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would help us take this in and understand it and believe it and live it out. Father, I, I, I confess to You uh, this morning that these, these truths are too big for me uh, to understand, too big for me to comprehend, uh, certainly too big for me uh, to live out. Lord, You know how I have struggled uh, even this week. How I've forgotten that You have loved me so infinitely. And for whatever reason, that love hits a diversion when it gets wrapped up in my self-centered outlook and relationship with others. I suspect I'm probably not the only one, Lord, and so we ask this morning that You would forgive us. And that You not only would forgive us, but that You would make us mindful and that You would, even this coming week, that You would overwhelm us with the beauties and the subtleties and the glories of Your love for others. And when we see them, because Your Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to them, when we see them, Father, would You allow that flow to just keep on running? To keep on running in and through us onto others and would it have effect, Lord, that begins to change not only us, and not only our families, and not only our church, and not only our city, but that it changes this world. Would you help us with that, Father? We desperately need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.